praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Father, we just ask you to move by your Holy Spirit tonight. Have your way, Lord God. I yield myself to you. We desire to hear your heart. We desire to be moved in the way that your spirit would go. And we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Change us, strengthen us, have your way in us tonight. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you for that blood tonight, Lord God. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hang out on my phone, give me a minute to hold. Is it still on? Can you play a little more? While Mariah's playing, um, she's Marty and, and my youngest daughter. And when she was, I think, 10, she can correct me if I'm wrong, um, she began to be uh, attacked by demonic powers. And she went through that for, I think, a couple of weeks. And I couldn't just pray over her and have her find release from that. She was just being tormented in her mind. And I think she was 12. And she had to fight, and she had to learn to press in and to seek after God and it was through that experience, she was watching some TV preachers by herself in the living room and uh, crying out to God, and she received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you look at the anointing on her life. At that time, she didn't sing. She didn't play piano. And only God knew the things that were in her. And you know, she's got older sisters, and they're all talented. They're all called. They're all just blessed uh, young ladies. But she was the little one, and she was always being pushed aside because we were busy with their older sisters and their talents and their things they were pursuing. And Mariah was just always kind of tagging along. And uh, I remember one day Marty, my husband, prayed over her and told her that she was like David. Before we saw any man manifestation of, of the music, that would come from her. And um, he meant it in the sense of uh, how David was that youngest one, so much so that when Samuel came to the house, sent by the Spirit of God to anoint the next king of Israel, it did not even occur to the father to have Jesse there. He asked for his sons and he brought, or to have David there. Jesse brought every son except for the youngest, David, this was too important of an event for him, and he left him out in the field with the sheep. And Samuel had to ask him a couple of times, are these all your sons? And finally he said, well, there's David, but you couldn't possibly want little David. He's not ready for anything spiritual or important. Or... And you know, that's how we are. And when we dismissed the children this morning, the Holy Spirit just hit me. And it was like, yes, that's what you do. You dismiss the children. Even though there's Lori and the other sisters back there pouring out their heart in ministry to them, as the body, I felt like the Lord was saying to me this morning, we need to lift them up. We need to acknowledge that they are little temples of the Most High God. And they are, as Pastor said, our responsibility, whether they're our flesh and blood or not. We're the church, and they're part of the church. And some of those little children are here without their parents. And can we stand in the gap? I mean, when we look at them, do we see them? Do we let the Holy Ghost say, that little girl, that little boy needs prayer? Do you know that they have things going on in their little spirit? I mean, if a person had seen Mariah as a little 12-year-old, you know, doing her crocodile hunter thing and out chasing butterflies, and they wouldn't have thought that girl's in a spiritual battle. That girl's being attacked and tormented by the devil. Nor myself, when I remember myself as a child in the spiritual battles, and yourself. So I, I can't explain things. I just know that the Holy Ghost is moving that way today. And I wasn't intending to uh, share on this tonight, but when Mariah started playing, the Holy Ghost started stirring that up in me again. The youth, the, the young ones... What an incredible crime and sin it would be if you and I and our generation passed from this earth and did not leave a vital, empowered, anointed generation of young people 
to take our place in the earth. Praise you, Lord. Go ahead and play that and sing that again, Mariah.
praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Mariah. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Brother Sean, are you still working with the youth here on the reservation? What school? What do you do? Can you, can you come up for a minute? I, I had this in my heart all day, and I didn't know why, and the pieces are all coming together. He mentioned something about the children today. Um, can you all stretch your hands towards Sean? Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hmm. Father, we just lift up Sean before you tonight as your body, Lord God, caring for one another, another as members of the same body. God, we thank you for the high calling that you've given him, Lord. Once again, he finds himself with the young people. Lord, we ask that you would strengthen him right now, that you would pour fresh oil and fresh, fresh wine over him, Lord God, that you'd heal any wounds and any discouragement, Lord, that you would give him a mighty anointing, Lord God, to break yokes over those that he's working with, Lord, and not just those he's working with, but over that whole home street school system, Lord that there would be such a light emanating from him, Father God, that children will be drawn to him, Lord God, that they would see Jesus in him. We're asking that his very presence, like Daniel, Lord God, would affect that whole kingdom, if you will, of education, Lord, that the spirit that is upon him because he is part of the kingdom of the Most High God would overshadow everything going on there, Lord God, that your blessing would flow out to those children. We stand behind him, Lord, and we lift up his arms, Lord, and we ask your will to be done, Father God, in this generation. And we will give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. In the same way that you have a heart to touch the young people, uh, brother, God is so developing a shepherd's heart in you for his people. You're going to have such a compassion, a burning compassion inside of you for God's people as he's even now beginning to break that bread before your eyes. The day is coming when you're going to move in such power and such authority. The people are going to say, is that Brother Sean? Any, 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 anything in you that, that now that seems as shy and quiet and held back, that's going to be blown away by the very compassion and power and revelation of the Holy Ghost in your life. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Has anybody here been ministered to by um, the gift on Mariah's life in music? Besides me. As I know you have by sister Gretchen and brother Stan and all of the others but um she's the youngest one right now so just going to use her as as a very living example right in front of us because being her mom and watching the work that was done in her life in the realm of music ministry was completely sovereign and again it takes me back to David while David was doing his duty and doing his job being a shepherd and being um a good son to his father and just doing what was put before him to do that it was out there that the Holy Spirit began to minister to David and he began to write those songs and those psalms so much so that when the king King Saul was troubled that the power of David's music was had a reputation that preceded him and they said we know somebody that if he comes here and plays for the king because the king was in rebellion and he the, it says God sent an evil spirit to torment him and when David would come with his relationship with God 
to the king's presence and begin to play his songs, that troubled spirit, troubling spirit would leave and the king would get peace for a period of time. Um, I think of how he was out there in the wilderness taking care of the sheep, and it says that a lion came and a bear, and he was by himself. And the only thing he had to help him was God. And he developed his relationship with God through major happenings like that. When you cry out to God because there's a lion coming and attacking your sheep, and he took his responsibility seriously. He could have ran. He could have let him have the sheep. But he took on that lion. It was indicative of the behavior you would, say, you would see in him when he shows up uh, as, a, as a ruddy youth when the whole army of Israel has backed down from one giant named Goliath. And here's this boy who jumped out in front of a lion and jumped out in front of a bear to save a sheep. That spirit, God saw that when nobody else was looking. And you know he cried out to God, strengthen me, empower me. And I bet you he uh, knew, of course he knew the stories of Samson. And as a young person, you know, that kind of faith. Well, he strengthened Samson, and Samson killed, you know, how many did he kill? Philistines with the jawbone of an ass and all those, a thousand, all those mighty exploits. Certainly that God can empower me to kill this lion and to kill this bear. And as a young person, God gave him that experience so that when his nation needed him and they didn't even know that they needed him, they were content. They were compromised. They were content to sit and let that giant stand in the valley and accuse them and accuse their God day and night. And they were okay with that. But here comes this young man full of fire, full of faith, saying, what is wrong with everybody? How can you let this uncircumcised Philistine talk about us, the army of the living God like this? And there was something greater in him than his physical stature or, or even what, what we would call common sense. He had spiritual sense. And while his brothers made fun of him because he said, I'll go. Because he was so focused on that God that he grew to know out there with the sheep, so focused on him and not on himself that it was not a problem in his eyes. But he was the only one. And I think of the little children that we do dismiss. And it's like, what is the gift inside a feather, inside of these little children that I don't even know their names, that we need, that we vitally need? What giants could they slay? What walls could they knock down that we've learned to be accustomed to living with? We need to pour ourselves into this younger generation. You know, I, I look at myself, and I'm like in my 50s now. It's like, how many more years do I have? I don't know. But the young ones, they've got a whole lifetime to begin to pour in the word. And, and you know, we need to fight for them. When Pastor Stan begins to bring them up for prayer, we need to fight for them. Don't you know the devil hates them? You think of Moses and, and how Pharaoh was moved on by the devil to begin to kill all of the young baby boys. And Herod, the same way, moved on by the devil himself to kill all those young baby boys for fear of the deliverer. The devil sees way more than we do in these little ones. He sees the seed and the touch of God. And you, we're so deadened. We're so hardened. And, and we think our life is a long time. But it, he knows better than we do. It's a blade of grass. He's been there since before Adam was. You think about the angels that have been sent to watch over the children and over us. And they have been there before the first man. They've seen the whole history of everything. They see men and women pop up like blades of grass and go away. I mean, our best bet is to take the youngest of us who have the, the most time left, Lord willing, you know, uh, he know, he holds everybody's life in their hands, and to pour, it's supposed to work that way. Whether you have children or nieces or nephews or whatever, I've got, uh, my children are, are big, but I'm still trying to pour into them, but I've got nieces and nephews, and the devil will try to harden your heart and deaden your mind so that you don't fight for them. Well, they're just going the way they're going, you know. This little one, they're doing pretty good. They might serve God, but my, 
my nephew or my grandson or my child, you know, they just don't have a... No, we pray, we fight, we cover. That is our job until they're of such an age that they can do it for themselves. And like I said, I'm still doing it. Moms and dads, we're still doing it. My parents uh, have the son that is 55 or 6 now. He's about to be 56. And they pray for him like he was a little kid. And Pastor Stan, his children, and we do that, right, as parents? Well, the enemy would like to discourage us. But now that my kids are older, I look back and I see where I missed it, where I could have done better, where I could have poured in the word more and the world less. But I look at the other little ones. I don't even know their family situation in their life. And I think, how could God use me if I just open my mouth and pray? Just say a prayer over somebody that doesn't belong to you. And then he takes me back when I was a kid. And my parents didn't know the things of God when I was growing up. But I I know because the Holy Ghost revealed to me the people in town that saw me and saw the way I was going. They had seen me as a little kid in church, and then they saw me backslide. And I know Mrs. Smith and Mr. Kennedy and the ones that would come in their presence, they were praying for me. They were reaching out to God on my behalf along with my grandma, and I thank God for that, those lifelines. You and I have the power to stand between Satan, between hell, and their little lives. And uh, let me enlarge on that now. Today I felt like the Lord said that uh, not just children, but that in our lives that there are some people that we've been believing for and that the devil is trying to stop our prayers, stop our faith, move us off of that petition the Lord showed me something in prayer once and um you may have heard me share this before but he he showed me like um like it was just like this little uh image to get a point across to me and he showed me like a plot of land you know like a square like the top of this and the plot of land and he said as long as you stand on that plot of land in my name there is nothing the devil can do. You might not see the answer. You might not see the authority of my kingdom coming to pass yet, but you're standing, you're believing, you're uh, pulling on my promises. All the promises in Christ Jesus are yes and amen, and those things that pertain to God's will, we know it's his will that none should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of the truth. Those two scriptures right there is enough to stand for somebody's soul, be it a relative or not, And he said, as long as you will stand and not move, there's nothing the devil can do. But then he showed me that the devil comes and he does like everything he can do. He can't drag you off, but he does everything that he can do to get you to willingly step off. To step off of that promise, to step off with your authority. You have authority and he knows it better than you do. And we have that authority because of what Jesus Christ did, a complete, 100% complete work by his blood. Has nothing to do with you or I, or if it did, nothing would happen in in the spirit that's any good. But because of the blood of Jesus Christ, of course we strive to live righteously, but in the eyes of God and compared to God, none is righteous. So it's by that precious blood of Jesus Christ that we stand and we believe. And the enemy will move on that one that you're standing for so often to turn them against you. To attack you, to be hateful to you, to wear you out, to wear out your patience. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know that you're the one standing between heaven and hell, between God and them standing in the gap, pleading the blood. They don't know that. They're being moved upon by a dark spirit. And you you young people at school, the same thing. Um, You may have a heart for somebody that you know needs to be saved. And that person may have been your friend. They might turn on you. And it's because you're praying. It's because you're believing. But don't let go. Don't be moved by the personalities and the outward things of people. All that's going to pass away. And won't it be glorious to be standing with that person who was so ugly and so awful, but to be standing with them in glory, cleansed and purified and loving one another and saying, I am so glad that I didn't step off my authority of prayer for that person. Praise you, Lord. 
praise you, Jesus. Gosh, I had a whole different message. Which way do I go, Lord? I, I, um, when she was singing, I was thinking of Samuel. I was thinking of Samuel and how Hannah so wanted that child. You know, that was what she personally wanted for herself, a child. I think we all know the story in here. And she had to be moved by the Spirit of God out of her selfishness. It's like, well, how is that selfish? She only wanted one thing. You know, the other lady was having, you know, a child every other day. You know, how is, she just wanted one. How is that selfish? But see, Hannah was marked by the Spirit of God to be his daughter, to be his temple for his purpose. You and I are marked for a higher calling and a higher walk, and any selfishness is selfishness. We're called to say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, like they were just singing, whatever you say, Lord, no children, children, yes, Lord, what I want, what I don't want. And he brought her to the place where she saw a greater need, and she was able to say, if you give me the honor of having a child, I will give him to you. And that was not just a manipulation so she could get what she wanted, because if it was, she would have done what a lot of us do. And when she got that child in her arms, she would have said, well, maybe next year, God, maybe next year, maybe next year. Maybe. Well, you know, I think God just wants him when he's an adult. And when he's an adult, he's going to serve God in a mighty way. I'm just going to keep him. But she didn't do that. Because God put something greater in her heart. And she took that baby, the love of her life, her one treasure in obedience to God, who had to be her greater treasure. In that hardship, in that trial that she went through of being persecuted and longing to be something that she wasn't, longing to be that fruitful wife, longing for something that she didn't have and being persecuted every day by uh, Penina and all of her children. In that suffering, even her husband became not enough, not enough to secure the ache of her heart. Remember, he came and said, here, Hannah, have a double portion, and why are you so sad, Hannah? And, she's, and he got frustrated and said, aren't I better than 10 sons? No, he wasn't. And that heartache drove her to the Most High God. And she had to have reached the place where God became her treasure in order to let that child go. And when Hannah let that child go, my goodness, it's so incredible. God's ways are not our ways. I mean, we know the story in the case of Hannah and Samuel and their time. Eli had allowed his sons to be so corrupt and so wicked and so vile that they were sinning with women in front of the, in front of the uh, tabernacle, that they were um, defiling the offerings that God's people brought with all their heart and just taking them greedily for themselves and breaking the laws, so much so that the Bible said nobody wanted to go to the temple anymore. Sounds like today. You know, oh, Christianity, all those, all those money preachers, all that, you know, everybody's a phony, you know, and all those preachers, they fall on, we see it on TV. And nobody wanted to go to the temple anymore. And Hannah was aware of this condition. She went to the temple in her lowest state to cry out to God and, and was rebuked by a priest. There's debate, did he actually slap her or did he just talk harshly to her? And she was closer to God than he was. And you would think the need was eminent. The need is now. You'd think God would, would touch somebody, you know, that had some family lineage to come in and fix this thing and take the place of this corrupt uh, priest and his sons. Though Eli did know corruption that, that the word tells us of, he did enjoy and eat that fat that he knew his sons were taking in sin and he did not correct his sons even when a prophet was sent to him. So he was corrupt. He was backslidden. And you'd think God would raise somebody up. But God instead decides to start over with something clean and fresh, a brand new little baby boy, Samuel. And then he takes that brand new clean little baby boy and moves on the heart of the mother to bring him to this backslidden priest and his two heinous sons for training in the things of God. That is not the way I would have done it. 
at all. God is he's so wonderful. That is, that is such a huge lesson to me, you know, his ways, his order. He can make his order work in the circumstance, worst of circumstances. If you're in a bad marriage, if you honor God's order, it's amazing how he can supersede and, and change things. A little child that has a bad parent, how if that child will honor that parent, how God will, will supersede when they do it out of a good and a pure heart. If you have a president you don't like, if we'll obey the word, obey the laws of the land, show respect to all men, pray for your leaders, you know, what God can do. And I read about those, those people in China that have been persecuted and, and in prison for their faith, and the way that they interact with those demon-possessed soldiers that beat them and, and those people that are over them, and how they take God's word to heart, and they honor them, and they and they don't uh, they don't talk to them disrespectfully. It just blows me away. That kind of faith and submission to the word of God is a beautiful thing. And so Samuel is brought up honoring Eli, who will soon. And then, and then Samuel receives the word of God for the doom and the demise of Eli and his sons as just a young man. And then to make it even more amazing, Eli didn't even know how to hear from God, and he was laying in bed one night, and he and hears his name being called and runs to, runs to Eli. And Eli said, I didn't call you. And he go, go go back to bed. He lays down. He hears his name again. He runs to Eli. And Eli said, I didn't call you. And Eli, the light bulb goes on and says, God is talking to him. You know, Eli could have been jealous. And Eli could have said, let's just nip this in the bud right now. Nobody's taking my place or my son's places. You know, anything could have happened there but for the hand of God. But instead he tells him, that's God speaking to you. Go back again, and when you hear him, say, here I am. And upon Eli's instruction to Samuel, Samuel goes, lays back in the bed. God speaks. Samuel says, here I am. And God speaks to him and tells him Eli and his sons are in trouble. Right there, it shifted. God didn't speak to Eli. God spoke to that little boy. God had been waiting for that little boy to come of age however old he was that night, to shift the authority. And um, talking, about, talking about God using children right now, you just, you just, we don't know. But he wants us to wake up in this realm. This was the furthest thing from my mind when I came to church this morning. Um, I would have never been talking about this or thinking like this. This is what God is putting on my heart. Um, there's a reason. Praise you, Lord. So Samuel, so he wanted to start with a clean slate. That just struck me when she was singing, how he said, you know what, I'm patient, I'm just going to wait. You think about the children, in the, uh, the children of Israel in the wilderness when they were not willing to obey God and have the faith they needed to go and, and, and take over the promised land. They said, oh, we're just like grasshoppers. And after all the miracles that generation had seen, God wasn't big enough to help them overcome this enemy. And God said, you know what, you guys can just hang out in the wilderness for 40 years, and when you're gone, your children can go in. And again, God is so patient. You know, he doesn't do things the way that we would. And what does God see in, in Lori's kids sitting here, and this young lady sitting here, these vessels of the most high God? Do we see them when we see them? Are we praying for them? Do you remember what it was like to be in junior high and high school? Do you remember the spiritual battles? We have the power to help them. We have the power to plead the blood of Jesus when God brings them to our face during the day. The little ones that are, are still at home a lot, that's great. But these others, they're out there with the devil every single day. We need to be pleading the blood of Jesus over them and crying out to God for them. I think of Daniel. He was just a youth when he was captured and taken uh, with the princes to be trained for the service of Nebuchadnezzar. 
What kind of upbringing did he have by his parents or, or by his spiritual leaders that he was able to stand and risk his life over and over again to honor his God? That wasn't just Samuel's a cool guy. I mean, I think he was. But somebody taught him something that he knew that it was more great to obey God, even if it cost his head, than to prosper and to do well with this King Nebuchadnezzar. Because remember, he was, he was chosen as a special one. He was going to be trained to be in a high place. But that did not capture his heart. And uh, read the book of Daniel and see how many times he stood up to the authority. And um, I think it was four kings he lived through because his kingdom was the kingdom of the Most High. And yet he obeyed and he submitted to and treated respectfully every single one of those heathen kings until it crossed the line where he just had to say, sorry, king, but I can't do that. You know, it's such a lesson for us. But how God kept him in the midst of that. And, you know, and I always read that story and I'm like, look who's standing. Nebuchadnezzar's gone, Belteshazzar's gone, you know, one by one. They're all gone, and he's still standing. Because the kingdoms of this world are the kingdoms of our God. And whether we see America sliding down or whatever happens, it's God who's in control, and we're his servants. And no matter what happens to our nation, we can still stand in the midst of it. Because we're of a higher order. We're of the kingdom of the Most High. And this is where he caused us to be born and placed. Um, turn to, I haven't even gone into the word, turn to 1 Samuel 16. In verse uh, 11, you know, I already shared the story that you all know, how Samuel came and he was looking to anoint the king. Now let's start with verse 6. 1 Samuel 16, verse 6. And it came to pass when they were come, and this is, this is uh, Samuel already came. He'd been sent by the Lord to Jesse's house to find the new king because even though in the natural, just like in the natural, Eli was still priest, in the natural, Saul was still king, but in the spirit, things had moved on. And God already had a new king in his heart. And so he sent uh, Samuel to anoint this king, even though it would be some time before he would become king. It was happening in the spirit. And so Samuel comes. He says, bring your sons. We're going to have a a sacrifice. We're going to sit down together and eat. And in verse 6, and it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab, one of Jesse's sons, and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Now, this is Samuel talking. He went on a mission. He didn't know which son it would be, but he looked at Eliab, and he looked pretty good. He looked like a king. Uh, but the Lord said to Samuel, look, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature. I love this. We see we have an open window right here into God talking to and teaching his prophet. He says, no, Samuel, don't look, don't look on his countenance or on the height of his stature. Because I have refused him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. For man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Verse 8. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Uh, verse 9. Jesse made Shammah to pass by, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. If I'm not mistaken, all three of those guys were there the day that David showed up when Goliath was, was railing against the army, right? And they were doing nothing. They were not acting very kingly. Um, but that had not yet come to pass. But they look good. They look good in their uniform. So uh, verse 10, again, Jesse made seven of his sons, seven of his sons, to pass before Samuel, and Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. Thank God Samuel could hear the Lord. Uh, verse 11, isn't it always good to check yourself all the time over everything? And Samuel said unto Jesse, 
Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. Marty preached this at a youth crusade in Africa. We will not sit down till he come hither. There was something that could not happen in the spirit, in the natural kingdom, until David showed up. They could go no further. And we've got young people that we cannot go on as a church unless they show up sitting down in the place, in the spirit where they belong, that we don't even expect them at or, or perceive that they need to be there. If you've got grandchildren out there and they're not being taught at the, the word at home, every time you get a chance, you sit down and you open that word up and you feed them. The devil will tell you, oh, they don't know and they've got no background or they're just little. What can, what can they know? What can they can understand? The devil is a liar. Their ability to grasp the deep things of God starts as soon as they can begin comprehending. I mean, we just read about Samuel. And every child is like that. When I used to teach Sunday school, I used to go home and just be so brokenhearted because um, I taught all different ages. But at one time, I had the, the little ones, you know, between like two and five. And I would start sharing the Bible stories with them. And they were always brand new to them. They didn't know the Bible stories. And these were church families. And I would be sharing and they'd go, oh, just like Cinderella. Oh, just like Nemo. Oh, that's like Snow White. And they couldn't differentiate the difference between those stories and the Bible stories I was telling them. When they're little, they have a gift of faith that is meant for them to have the word poured into them and that foundation to be laid solid. I, I mean, there's, I, there's not like a bunch of families here with young kids. So I don't know why the Lord is going this way, but he knows. Um, you know, they say that the brain of a little child is formed for languages up to a certain age. And if a little kid is in the right environment, that little kid can learn five languages by the five time they're 10. You know, that's not the normal scenario. But their brain is so wired for that when they're little because that's when they learn language. Well, it's the same in the spirit. Their little spirit is all set for mom and dad to obey Deuteronomy and when they get up in the morning and when they walk by the way and when they sit down and when they lay down at night to be pouring the word of God into them just like God said. God does his part. Their little hearts. Have you ever talked to a little one about the things of God? Their faith is so pure like a fluffy white cloud. They don't, they don't ask doubtful questions. They don't have doubt. You tell it to them, and they believe it. So after you've told them about Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny and Snow White and Cinderella and tell them that that's not real, and then you try to bring Jesus in and show them the difference, that's confusing to a little one. It really is. And, um, I mean, at, at least explain the difference. Um, but they are ready. They are ready for the deep things of God from the time that they can understand and before they can understand. He told uh, Jeremiah, I knew you before you were in your mother's womb, right? Knew him, related to him, interacted with him, knew him. So, wow. Praise you, Jesus. We can't sit down until David comes. And I feel like that that's what the Lord is, is, is bringing out today. I have a whole different message with all my notes that's completely unrelated to this. I didn't have any notes for this. But um, I feel like he's saying, honestly, what I felt like this morning was he was revealing to me how self-centered we are. Just as people, it's just our nature. We come to church, what's God going to give me today? What am I going to get today? Oh, I want to be blessed today. What's the word for me? And we're all supposed to be like Jesus' servants washing one another's feet. When we come to church, do we look around at our brothers and sisters and ask the Lord to show us who needs prayer, who needs encouragement? You know, what, who do you want me to pray for this morning, Lord God? 
Uh, what is my brother and sister going through? And then especially the children, they're defenseless and helpless. You know, and to, and to not think about them. So I'm excited. I believe that as, as we obey God in the little things, he will do mighty things. And I think God wants to remind us, not just the children that he brings to this church, but there's a whole harvest of children in this city that he cries for, that he longs for. And in and of ourselves, we don't have the ability to reach all those children. But God says, if you'll stand on my promises, if you'll let me enlarge the stakes and the tents of your heart, let the Holy Ghost, the love of the Holy Ghost, be shed abroad in our heart like it's supposed to be, we'll begin to be moved in those times of prayer that we're setting aside. You know, sometimes we don't set aside times of prayer because we don't have anything to pray for because we're doing okay. What about the rest of the city all around us? What about the little children who aren't in godly homes that are being abused or just the gnawing loneliness of being alive without him and the knowledge of him? And so, I don't know, I just, I believe that the Lord wanted to bring that to our attention today. And I believe that if we will heed it, that we're going to see some fruit. And, um... He used Brother Sean. Brother Sean has been on my heart all week, and uh, I didn't know why. And then when he said something this morning about, was it this morning, about praying for the kids you work with, or was that Wednesday? Wednesday. And um, boom, tonight it was like when she started playing, the pieces just came together. Because I always pray, what do you want to say, Lord God? What's on your heart, God? I mean, you know what's on our heart. You hear it all the time. It goes round and round and round and round and round and round and round inside of us. You know, that's the meditation of my heart. All those same old things we need, we want. He wants to enlarge us and expand us to be the mighty body of Christ in this city and have an impact. Amen? Amen. Well, I think that we need to pray for the young people in our lives and the young people of the city that we need to stand on his word and and put it in action he knows who's on his heart we we all have uh, relatives that sometimes the pain of where they're at in the spirit is so much to deal with that we just shut it off lord i just put them in your hands which we need to but he doesn't want our compassion to be shut off He wants us to be sensitive, to pray, to believe. He wants us to be able to look past their behavior. And this can be for more than youth. To look past their behavior and see them like he sees them. He sees their behavior. They need the blood of Jesus. But he puts something greater inside of them that nobody can see because they haven't given themselves over to his spirit. So they're only manifesting in the flesh, and that's all we're seeing. But... There's somebody here tonight that the Lord is wanting to lift your vision regarding somebody he's assigned you. That, that, that passion you have to see them saved that goes like this because of the way that they act came from God. And he doesn't want you to let go. He doesn't want you to stop. And as they say it's true, the more the Holy Ghost begins to convict them and deal with them, the worse they get. And the devil will tell you, see, God doesn't hear your prayers. Remember Daniel? When he fasted, he fasted all pleasant bread for 21 days. And then the angel shows up and said, hey, you know, from the first day you set your heart to seek God and to chastise your soul, your words were heard in heaven, and I've come for your words. He quoted it this morning. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, James said, availeth much. How is that for much? The angel, the archangel, comes from heaven and it says for 21 days he's withstood by an evil demon an evil angel and michael comes and helps him and then he shows up with the answer the revelation from god that daniel was crying out for where is our patience where is our patience where is our understanding of the spiritual realm you pray for somebody the devil's holding on to with tooth and claw you think he's just gonna let go But if you will stand, 
What if Daniel had said, you know, it's been 17 days, I'm going to have a piece of cake. I'm not sure God heard me. It was never a question of him being heard. He was heard from the first day. But there are spiritual battles being fought. And when it comes to human beings, there's the battle of the will. And boy, do we have some iron will. But if you don't stop, God won't stop. And if you don't stop and God doesn't stop, that person's going to wear down. Amen? Have you ever had God put into your heart when you went to pray for somebody? No, no, no. Have you ever experienced that? I have. It's not very common. But there have been times when it's just been like, no. And that's not my business. It's God's business. And I could have run out and say, God told me that person's going to hell. Don't pray for him. No, you know, I don't know why. But there are times, you know, maybe he wants to turn them over to reap what they're sowing in their flesh so that they could get to a place of repentance. I don't know. But my point is, when you have a prayer in your heart, when you have a cry in your heart, that's coming from God. And he is going to honor it. So I don't know. Mariah, do you want to come and play again and Let's just take some time and let's just pray right now for whoever it is that God is putting on your heart. And if, he, if there's nobody, then please pray for the children of this community. Praise you, Lord.
God for what he's doing. Amen. Oh, thank you, Lord. The Lord has truly, truly been ministering to us. And every, every service has been just precious. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord God, we just thank you for this evening, Lord God. We thank you for your word and the inspiration, Lord, of your spirit, Lord God, that um, stirred these things, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. You always see these things. You, your eyes go throughout the earth, willing to show yourself strong, Lord God, on behalf of anyone whose heart is towards you. Oh, Lord God, we thank you, Lord God. I pray that all these prayers will be taken up by you, Lord God. Every precious one that we thought about and prayed for be just taken up by you, Lord God. And we just thank you and praise you. And God, uh, this uh, Castillo family that lost this young man, Lord, I pray that you just overflow some comfort and love to these family. Uh, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, that uh, Jane's neighbor and all those that she's thinking about right now, Lord God, every single member of that family of this young man, God, that there be uh, an awakening, a help, a comfort, support, oh, salvation, oh, God, healing, deliverance, Lord God. Father, you know, God, when one goes on, no matter what the circumstances are, Lord God, you know all about it. You see that even the sparrow that falls, and we know that this uh, young man was more valuable than many sparrows. So, God, we pray for your blessing there. And, Lord God, and those that uh, need that touch, Lord God, that have been sick, uh, that have been laboring for you, Lord God, I, I especially, just before we close, I want to pray for Rand and Becky. Rand, just getting off the mission field uh, from England and um, Romania. Lord God, I pray that you would touch him. He's been sick in body. Both he and Becky are, are uh, not feeling good. God, I pray that you touch them, Lord God, and raise them up and restore the strength that they need, Lord God, and let them have the adequate rest and recovery time and raise them up again for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name, and just heal uh, my daughter, Mitzi, God, that she will receive strength from you. Lord, in the name of Jesus, only you know what brings sickness at times, Lord God, and, and I know she's been going beyond, Lord, normal strength, and so I'm just praying, God, that you just raise her up again and restore her health. In Jesus' name, thank you again for the service and any other requests, Lord God, may you grant each and every request for your praise, honor, and glory, because you said if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. Thank you, Lord. You'll do it. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Now go with us as we go our separate ways and continue to prepare our hearts, Lord God, for these upcoming services. I pray for traveling mercy for those that will be traveling. In the name of Jesus, safekeeping on the road for all and everyone that will participate in these services and is going to be traveling for anything. I just pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Bless us as we go our separate ways. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hallelujah. <laughs>